Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. Happy Good Friday. Who's thankful for the cross? Tonight, we're not just doing normal church. Tonight's a night of worship. It's a night of observance. It's a night of remembrance of what it's all about. Amen? The cross is the centrality of all creation, centrality of history and eternity, centrality of the kingdom of God. Amen? (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. We're going to take communion at the end. But we're going to spend a little time drilling our hearts into why communion is even a powerful thing. Okay? We all know that mankind fell. We all know that humanity has been born into sin and into bondage. All of our brothers and sisters in this world were born into sin and bondage slavery, to Satan, every one of us on our way to hell, if it wasn't for Good Friday, amen? Who's thankful for Good Friday? Jesus, the the stories of Jesus through the Gospels is glorious and it's beautiful and it's frills a lot of it, it's it's exuberant, but... uh, it's exhilarating, but there's this one day that's horrific, that, that God is, as horrific as it is, God doesn't want us to overlook, he doesn't want us to forget, he doesn't want us to bypass, because it's the most important thing that we can ever observe and remember, okay? And, and I, I want us to take a moment And I want us to think about Jesus hanging on that cross. Here's an amazing painting that uh, Ron and Patty Foxworth let us borrow for a few days. It says, finished on it. Jesus hanging on the cross. Powerful. All right, Jesus, Jesus took the worst torments anybody could ever have. I want you to, want you to see Jesus hanging on the cross A falsely accused man, mocked, shamed, hated. He never did anything wrong. He never did anyone wrong, but he was despised by all. He was beaten. He was beaten with rods all over his back and his neck and his hips, all over his body. He was scourged with whips. We have children in the room, so I'm going to be age-appropriate with my descriptions because it's rated R material. If you've seen The Passion, you get a glimpse. One of the most powerful movies about this. Some people believe that Jesus was whipped 39 times. I don't know if it's 39 or not, but a lot of people think it was 39. They shoved a crown of thorns on his head, thorns that were three to four inches long, crammed down, not supposed to fit, shoved into his skull. They drove nails, probably the size of railroad spikes, into his wrists and his ankles, into those rugged, splintery beams. 
They lifted his body, dropped it into a hole, so his body felt the jerk. Imagine the full weight of his body jerked on three nails, pierced his, pierced his bones and his flesh. The way his body was positioned on that cross, the weight hung down to where he couldn't breathe. He'd have to lift himself up on the excruciating nail on his ankles to take a breath. For hours and hours, his lungs collapsing, fighting to breathe. Hanging there, feeling abandoned by all his loved ones. I believe that Jesus' pain was more for, by the abandonment than by the nails and the whippings. Why would he do that? Why would he do that? Why, why would he go to that extremity? We've we got to pay attention to this. I don't have all the answers, but I know what the Bible says. And I want to read some verses about what he did, what he was doing. We can look at it, and we can see what it looked like. And we can read verses, and we can catch amazing theology about what he did. But the Lord wants us to be able to, by the Spirit of God, merge the two together, where you can behold the horrific pain that he took by the Spirit seeing what he was doing and accomplishing on that cross. It was more than you could see in the physical. Amen? One of my favorite passages about the cross is, the, is a prophecy hundreds of years before, Isaiah 53. This has kind of become, I think, my tradition to read this on Good Friday because I just think it's so powerful. It hits so many aspects of what he did. I'm going to start with verse 1. It says, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And I just want to stop for a second to pay attention that it starts off asking who has believed. All right? Who has believed? Do we have any believers in the room? So this is talking about you. All right? Who has believed our report? Well, we have. We've believed it. To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The arm. He's got big arms. Who's the arm of the Lord been revealed to? I'll tell you. Those who believe. All right? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. If you think about what Jesus looked like when he was hanging on the cross, he was marred by the beating so much that people couldn't even recognize who he was anymore. Okay? This is a prophecy that he would be unrecognizable. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. He was rejected. Think of Peter, for example, who rejected him three times before the rooster crowed. His, that was his boldest disciple. All his friends abandoned him. Have you ever had a time when you were ashamed of Jesus? Ashamed to stand for Jesus? Have you ever rejected Jesus, maybe not by being ashamed, but maybe rejected him by going a different way than the way that he was trying to call you to? Because that's rejection. That's rejection. He felt it. He felt it, okay? Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. It's a powerful verse. It says that he, he bore our griefs. 
and our sorrows. Think of everything that's ever caused you grief in your life. Everything that has ever caused you sorrow. Jesus bore that on the cross. Whether you feel like you have ever felt it or you're ever going to feel it again, somehow in the Spirit, past tense, Jesus took that thing. He took the one you've had. He took the one you might be having. He took the ones you're going to have. He bore it into his broken body and took it to the cross. So Jesus somehow, it's hard to imagine with a carnal mind that somehow Jesus has taken soul sickness from every believer who will believe and absorbed it into his body and bore the weight and the pain and nailed it to the cross. Soul sickness. The soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. Things that are broken mentally. People, people who are depressed. People who, are, are, who deal with stress and anxiety and fear and shame. Brokenness. He took it. He took it all. Why? So that he could carry something you can't carry on your own. He did it so he could take it from you and he could nail it to the cross. Hallelujah. Anybody thankful for Jesus? He bore it on his shoulders. He bore our griefs. He carried our sorrows. He, he put it upon himself to bear the weight. He took it to the cross. In the, in the Hebrew, the word griefs is the Hebrew word koli. I don't know if I said it correctly, koli. And it, it means grief, as we just said, but it has more meaning. It, ha it also means sickness and disease. It's, a, it's an all-encompassing word. It, it, it's, it's grief, soul sickness, but it's pain, it's sickness, it's disease physically. So Jesus did the whole thing. Hallelujah. He took sickness and disease into his body, absorbed it into his body. Those who would believe, he extracted it, took it upon himself, nailed it to the cross to kill it. Hallelujah. <laughs> the word sorrows in, in the Hebrew is makob, and it means sorrow from the soul, but also in the physical means pain. So he took sickness and disease. He took pain. He, put, he took grief and sorrow, absorbed it to his body, bore it upon his shoulders. Hallelujah. To the cross. Come on. That's amazing. And it says he was stricken by God, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was punished. Jesus took punishment. The man who never sinned, he took Punishment for you. Because you, you were in sin. I was in sin. You were bound to hell for eternity. I was bound to hell for eternity. The wages of sin is death, the Bible says. I deserve to die, but Jesus became our substitute. Hallelujah! He stepped in to take my punishment, to take your punishment. He went to the cross so that he could take the punishment that was due to you and to me. He did it for us. Hallelujah. Come on. That's amazing. That's amazing. <clears throat> but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Wow. <laughs> that is powerful. That word wounded, Hebrews, kalal, it means to be pierced through. He was pierced through. He was pierced through for your transgressions. Okay? Transgressions, Hebrew, pesha. It, it means rebellion. 
Okay? It means, it, it means breaking the law. It means breaking God's will. It means breaching his trust. Have you ever breached his trust before? You deserve hell for that. Doesn't feel good to hear. But if we don't remember that, we're going to devalue what he did. All right? Because you have transgressed, Jesus was pierced through. He was pierced through. He was bruised. Hebrew, daka. It means he was beat down. He was crushed. He was broken. Hallelujah. Instead of you. Instead of you. He was broken. The chastisement. That means the punishment of our peace. The Hebrew, shalom. God's goodness being bestowed on every part of your life. Releasing peace to every place where there could be turmoil. Whether it's your physical body in turmoil, whether it's your soul in turmoil, your relationships in turmoil, your spirit that was, that was born a sinner in turmoil. He did this. He took it so that he could release shalom into every part of your life. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? By his stripes, we're healed. That's the, that's the scourgings, the whippings, all the lashes he took on his body where he was bleeding out. He took those for you. Why? He was paying a price to release divine, supernatural, heaven-sent, miracle healing power into your body. Come on. Hallelujah. I have a question. Raise your hand if you've been born again of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Keep it up. Look around. This is to be rejoiced about. Amen? Come on. That's amazing. How many of you who just raised your hand, you would agree that you believe that Jesus died on the cross to forgive all of your sins? Let's see your hands. How many of you believe that, if G, that Jesus went to the cross not just to forgive your sins, but to take them all away? Hallelujah. How many of you believe that, that he died on the cross and it's already done? Okay, let's see that. It's already done, right? All right. That, that you still might sin sometime in the future. Do you believe that when Jesus already paid for that price, that your future sins are going to be atoned for and taken away? Hallelujah. So what you're telling me is that something that Jesus did 2,000 years ago, you have faith that he has removed your sins from your life, even though they might still yet happen. It's an it's a, it's a eternal now reality that he can continue to remove sins from us, and that that's our reality, even though I might still screw up sometime. Hallelujah. That's a big God. If you can believe that he would have done that with your sins to make you sinless in his sight, even though you know you still might sin, do you still believe in the same way that Jesus has removed your diseases and your sicknesses and your pains, even though you might still feel them, they might still be present. Jesus said, it is finished, and he's already done it. Come on. Somehow we tend to look at sickness and healing differently than we look at sins and how he took away the sins, but he did the same exact thing with sickness as he did with sin. He did the same exact thing with, with demonic oppression as he did with the sin. With bondage as he did with the sin. With broken relationships is the same as the sin. With poverty, same as the sin. It is finished. He took care of it all in one evening. <laughs> Hallelujah. The cross paid the price 
for your wholeness, not just for your ticket to heaven, and not just to cleanse your conscience of sin. That's massive. But also to cleanse your body of sickness and disease and pain. To cleanse brokenness in your relationships. To cleanse poverty, financial stress and burden. All the things that are destructive in our life happen because of the fall of man. It, it, the, the, the kingdom of darkness came in like a flood as soon as Adam and Eve sinned. And then they gave birth to a whole human race in that condition. The same price that Jesus paid to restore the connection with the Father. It's the same one he did to restore all the repercussions of the fall of man in this world. Jesus dying on the cross is the answer to all things that are broken in this world. Hallelujah. He paid a high price. It's called the finished work of the cross. <laughs> he did it all in one moment. All of it. Whether you're experiencing the results of it yet or not, it's the same as him dying for your sins. If you can believe that he can take your sins away because of that act on the cross, guess what? It's the same thing to him. The sickness, the disease, the brokenness, the poverty, whatever it would be, he did it all. One package deal. Come on. Now, we must understand the magnitude of our sins, okay? We cannot belittle this as, as many people's gospel tries to do. Sin is an issue that people avoid like the plague, okay? But we got to talk about it. We've got to talk about it. We must understand the magnitude of our sins in order to understand the value of the price that he paid for us. We can't water down the sinfulness of sin. All right? When the Bible tells us to confess our sins, it doesn't mean just to skim over a prayer, forgive me, Lord, and move on. Sorry, Lord. I apologize. No. No, when God says to repent, he actually wants us to, he wants us to look at our trespass and see how we violated God and to take ownership of it, to acknowledge it. I sinned, and that thing was enough to put Jesus on the cross. All right? We need to feel God's pain when we sin. We need to embrace godly sorrow when we sin. We need to own up to it, and then we need to confess it to the Lord from a place of sheer repentance. God, I need you to forgive me. I know I did you wrong. I know I did wrong. We need to feel God's pain. We need to look at Jesus on the cross and remember that this is why he was there. We can't just gloss over it and move on. Jesus actually... He, he didn't just go to the cross to forgive sins. He, he went there to purge sins, to extract them and completely re remove them, to condemn all sin in the flesh. Amen? 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. So we need to observe Jesus on the cross. You and I put him there. <laughs> Why do you guys say that with me? I put Jesus on the cross. My sins needed that cross. 
Jesus loved me beyond my sins and paid the price that I owed. Hallelujah. He who is forgiven little loves little. He who is forgiven much loves much. None of us are actually forgiven little. It's all about the little value that we put on our sins. The little value we put on his forgiveness. That's what makes the difference. But if we can, if we can own it and know that it was big enough, it's going to help us to appreciate the, the value of what he did. Amen? Nobody's sins are more or less than the next person's. A, a little tiny white lie or a little gossip here and there is no worse than a murderer. Because they both will get, get a person to hell without Jesus on the cross. You hear that? We all needed Jesus on that cross as much as the next person. <laughs> It's how much we are willing to recognize how badly we need him that determines our intimacy level with him. I'm going to say that one more time. Whoever's listening online, listen to this. It's how much we are willing to recognize how badly we need him that determines our intimacy level with him. God wants to know that we recognize how desperate we are. That Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. That's John 15. Consider the same thing with sickness as with sin. Just as much as the blood of Jesus has paid the price and removed your sins, even before you ever received him. That's pretty crazy. He removed my sin before I received him. Well, it's 2,000 years ago before now. Yes. <laughs> okay? He removed your sins before you even received Jesus. If he did that with your sins, he did that with your sickness and your disease and your praying and your, and your brokenness. Maybe you're not experiencing it yet, but he did it. 1 Peter 2, 21 through 24. For to this you were called, because Jesus also suffered for us. Hallelujah. Leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. Come on. You guys believe that, right? That we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. You were healed. When were you healed? Last week, when the revivalist prayed for me, no. You were healed when your sins were removed. You were healed when Jesus died on the cross. Because our faith takes us to that place that's in the eternal present place where the cross and the resurrection happen eternally from that place. Come on. That's where we get it from. Hallelujah. 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 I'm, I'm almost done before we go into communion. Just give me a couple more minutes. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, there's a few th statements he made. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Watching the people kill himself. Forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. On the cross, Jesus released to us forgiveness. Everybody say, I've been forgiven. 
That should unlock hearts by saying that. Say it again. I've been forgiven. Think about if there's anything that you feel guilty about right now. I've been forgiven. Well, you mean mean after I confessed it? Well, it was 2,000 years ago. I think that qualifies as before you did something about it. He forgave you. So he released to us the cleansing of our sins. Now, we do need to confess our sins. The confession was actually is what aligns us with the flow of his blood that cleanses us. All right? It's an eternal flow of blood that's always cleansing, and confession and repentance brings us under that. But he paid for it 2,000 years ago. So he, he takes us out of the red which would be debt, right? When you think about finances, he, he takes us out of the red on the cross, taking away our debts, our, our, our trespasses to the Lord. He, he, and it, it's called mercy. God took our, our spirits out of the red so that he could bring us into the balanced place, all right? It's called mercy. He didn't give us what we deserved. He also said, today you will be with me in paradise, Come on. So he releases to us undeserved worthiness. Wow. Everybody say, he made me worthy. It's a good word. He gave us eternal life. He gave us the kingdom of God. Take us out of the red, but he launches us into the black. He, he propels us, not, not just fixing the debt, our, our negative balance, He doesn't just zero us out. He actually launches us into the prosperity of heaven. Come on. And that's called grace. He gives us the things that we didn't deserve. Hallelujah. Jesus said, woman, behold thy son. Why would he, why why is that important? Because he was, he was creating family. Jesus was creating family. He was creating sonship. He was breaking orphanhood off of the people who don't have a father and don't know how to love brothers and sisters. Come on. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He took our separation from God to the cross so he could nail it and destroy the separation that we've experienced. Come on. So he, he, he heals us from the free, or he gives us freedom from rejection and abandonment, healing those feelings and taking away our shame. Reunites us with his father, restores sonship, breaks the orphan spirit. He said, I thirst. He took lack to the cross, need, poverty. To the cross. He was naked, at least close to it, if not all the way naked on the cross. His, all his clothes and everything was taken from him. He's nailed to the cross with nothing. He took poverty to the cross. He took dryness and emptiness to the cross so he could quench our thirsty soul. Come on. He said, It is finished. He paid it in full. It's the finished work of the cross. On God's side of the equation, everything that we need has already been accomplished. Come on. That's amazing. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. That was the ultimate sacrifice. Now being presented to his father. Jesus was a living sacrifice, the Lamb of God. One-time sacrifice that never needs to happen again. Anybody thankful? We don't have to pay the price that Jesus paid. Come on. Who's thankful for the finished work of the cross? We have no clue what all 
is packed into that. The, the more we get understanding of it, the more the resources of heaven flow to us in the part that we believe that he's already accomplished. The more you can believe that he accomplished on the cross, the more you're going to see it manifested in your life. There's nothing lacking in it. Broaden the horizons of your faith imagination because he's already accomplished it. <laughs> it said, who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The chapter prior says, the Lord has made bare his holy arm. Look. He's like bigger than the rock. The rock's like... Imagine God flexing his muscle. The Lord has made bare his arm in the eyes of all the nations. All the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Not only did Jesus' crucifixion pay for all the things you need, it paid for all the things every single person in this world that exists now and ever has existed and ever will exist. He paid all of it across the board. That is one massive payment. Come on. He's flexing his muscles to the world. He wants us to flex his muscle, to show his muscle to the world. We're getting ready to take communion. So Ron and Carrie, you guys can go ahead and get prepared. And um, in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 32, Paul's reminding us of Jesus when Jesus took the bread with his disciples on the Passover. And he said, take this bread in remembrance of my body. And then he said, take this wine or the, the, in, in remembrance of my blood, the covenant. He made a covenant. Amen? And it goes on and it says that before you take communion, that you need to observe your heart to make sure that you're taking communion in a worthy manner, in a worthy manner. When we take communion, we need to be beholding Jesus and all he did, not underestimating it. We also need to recognize that without what he did, we are unworthy. And if we have any sin in our lives, that we need to repent of it. If we have any unforgiveness towards someone, we need to release forgiveness in our hearts before the Lord. All right? I'm going to put some music on, and uh, I want you guys just to take a little bit of time while the song's playing and, and observe what Jesus accomplished on the cross for you. Observe your heart. See if there's anything that you need to get right with the Lord and, and get it right. This is your time. All right? And I want you just to have a little time to let Jesus make his cross personal for you because he didn't just do it for the world as a whole. He did it personally for you. Let him love on you right now. Give him some time. I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to release revelation that can give you encounter with Jesus in the cross tonight. And I'll, I'll come up here in a few minutes to lead us in communion, but just have a little time to connect your heart with the Lord.
sins to the Lord, it actually releases bondage. I've seen people get set free just through confession, releasing it to the Lord. Jesus never takes something from us without giving us something so much greater in its place. It's powerful. Jesus love on you just this is so personal to you Holy Spirit I, I ask you to I ask you just to reveal to each heart in here power of your love that you displayed personally for each person Lord each person Lord is so personal to you so personal to you Lord I don't like to take communion passively. I think that it's supposed to be an intimate, worship-filled moment. You and Jesus. He's here. Not only is he here, his, his, his eyes are locked on you. <laughs> Love what you're doing in me, Lord. Let him show you his heart right now. common experience for supernatural physical healing to manifest in communion. Not just by magic of the elements, but by connecting the power of the blood of Jesus. By his stripes you were healed. You take communion and you allow the power of his physical body and the supernatural, the spirit of God that's manifested through that. Let him manifest in you. I'm struggling to get this open. <laughs> And you're kind to me. Carrie, can you bring me another one of these? I think it's actually stuck. Does anybody else have one that's stuck that you were that you couldn't open? Your love never has failed me. You struggled. Thank you. All right. That one was easy as easy as you believe it is. All right. Take the, take the bread. I'm going to do this in remembrance. As a matter of fact, look at that picture right there. Let's look at that. If you're able to see it, if I'm blocking it or not. Take a look at Jesus hanging on the cross for you, for you. 
all the things that we talked about tonight, that he bore, he, he bore your grief, your sorrows, your sin, your trespasses, your sickness, your disease, your pain, your brokenness, your poverty, orphan mind, orphan spirit, broken relationships, whatever the thing could be. He took it in his body. When we eat this, and we say we do this in remembrance of his body, let's remember, he said he bore these things in his body. When we, when we eat this, we're gonna, and I want you to feel it, I want you to taste it, whatever taste you can muster up from this little tasteless wafer. While you're chewing it, don't be quick. Jesus gave you his body. Okay? I didn't have time to talk about this, but even greater than all that, he brought you into his body. He brought you into his body. We do this in remembrance of his body. And we love one another. That person sitting near you, that's his body. Part of the whole thing about taking communion with a worthy heart is making sure that your heart is at peace and clear towards your brothers and sisters. That's a real thing. Whether they're in this room or not, to take it with a worthy manner, that means that we're actually submitting ourselves to Jesus and his heart for us and his heart through us. All right, let's take it. faith, trust right now, that things are releasing off of you right now, whatever that need is, things are releasing, whatever the breakthrough is that you need, why don't you just grab it by faith right now, prophetic act, just grab a hold of it and just throw it off to Jesus on the cross right now, just throw it to him, if it's healing, throw it to him, if it's brokenness, throw it to him. It's sorrow, throw it to him. Whatever it is, release it to Jesus right now. Thank you, Lord. Wow. I, I just declare right now in the name of Jesus that there are demonic bondages and attachments have been in people's lives that are being broken right now in Jesus' name. Broken in the name of Jesus. Lord, release healing into bodies right now. Healing into bodies right now, Lord. Let the power of your cross flow, Lord. The blood of Jesus flow right now. Lord, let the manifestation of all that you paid for be released into people now. In Jesus' name, we release healing. We release minds that are bound up right now. Minds that are bound up right now, be released. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Shame being released right now. In the name of Jesus, why don't you get your juice ready? And I want you to think about Jesus shedding that blood. 1 John 1 says that the blood of Jesus cleanses us of all sin and unrighteousness. Hallelujah. He's already paid for it. We're already believers. This is going to be 
our remembrance of the purging of sins, the absolute cleansing, and that Jesus has actually rinsed you clean of all sins, and he's made you as white as snow. This is a chance right now to ask him to forgive you. If you have anything that you need forgiven, do it now. So you can come into alignment with the ever-flowing river of the blood of Jesus Christ that paid for it all. Hallelujah. I feel like God is going to be telling people, people that you need to go forgive or ask for forgiveness. When we drink this, we're doing it in remembrance of his blood. I want you to take the moment, let it just feel it going down and think of his blood pouring into you, making you clean, cleansing, cleansing, and putting God's DNA into you. Come on. Right now, let's do this.